And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not gonna sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Do not be crazy, Zach. Bye. See ya. See ya. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, Justin. How are you? I am fabulous. No complaints. Oh, but it's so hot over there. It's, it's like a little warm. A hundred degrees. But only six more days till my birthday. I know. That's so cool. And then you're 40, right? Yeah. <laughs> 40, 40 year old virgin. Yeah. <laughs> I've had sex, just not with other people. <laughs> Tell us about the tits, man. They were like sandbags. <laughs> Bags of sand. <laughs> Bags of sand. Oh, she was real nasty. She was saying dirty stuff like, uh, me so horny. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Man, I've never seen that in a theater, and they were doing ID checks for people in the in the seats. Really? Yeah, kind of weird, right? That is weird. Like after they bought their movie yeah. tickets and and they sat yeah. down. Yep. Huh. Little guy with the flashlight. A real authority figure was coming through, and he was checking to make sure that you know we were there being responsible. Weird. You're already behind enemy lines at that point. I don't know why you would even try to. Check someone's ID. It's like, man, whatever, man. They made it past. Probably <laughs> because kids are immature and they would laugh and giggle at the wrong stuff and they would and they would hinder other people's movie going experience. Goddamn kids. Can't have anything uh, these days, right? Bunch uh, of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Flying around in their Santa Carla towns, getting into trouble with their mullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of, lot of hair. A lot, a lot of mullets. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of mullets, a lot of hair, a lot of what have you. A lot of what have you. Uh, <laughs> trench coats. Trench coats are really big on the beach in the 80s. Oh, it's so hot out, but you got to wear your trench coat. And they sell, they sell them on the boardwalk, too, if you want one. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. It's yeah. really cool. Uh, real quick, I watched The Wrong Missy on Netflix uh, the other day. And, you know, it's one of those Adam Sandler... Uh, Happy Madison joints that he does where they're like straight to Netflix and you kind of he's in this paradigm where he just casts his friends and, and whatnot and you think that it's going to be a childish kind of dumb Adam Sandler movie but I actually really liked this one it surprised me I really liked the plot um, I think that uh, I cannot remember the, the gal's name Lauren something she um she was hilarious she played Missy and uh, I really liked it so yeah you should you should uh, check it out I don't do that. As soon as you tell me to watch something, I don't watch it. Except Dave and Randy told you. Or I think David told you to, to watch it, and you were like, oh, I like David Spade. I'll do it. But when I tell you to do something, I don't you're know like, if that's accurate. <laughs> you're like, take your face and go fuck yourself. But yeah. 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 And then I start, and I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale again, too. I'm on season two. So. Mm, I don't do that either. I love that Elizabeth Moss. She is absolutely incredible. She's a Scientologist. I know, but she's a good actor, so. I always find it fascinating when someone is a Scientologist. <laughs> I mean, she's good at science, bro. Isn't that what it means? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it means. Uh, South Park is the entire uh, 23 seasons of South Park is on HBO Max now. And uh, so I just put it on in the background and I love their Scientology episode. It's uh, it's quite hilarious. Yeah, so. it's good stuff. Yeah. It is. I want everyone to have something to believe in. Just like just like that poison song. <laughs> I still believe <laughs> that's a different song. I know, but, but, it, but it is important to believe in something. I just am always fascinated with what certain folks choose to believe. These true, fascinating. These true. Have you been watching anything with your crazy schedule? Yeah, I watched a couple things. I watched uh, Days of Thunder. That's a long ago. Um, been watching a lot of Buffy. Um, One Piece, the anime, watching that, hmm. just kind of, you know, checking things out, and then that's, I think that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't know. I've been busy. <laughs> very, very busy lately. <laughs> this whole last week, 
it's been a blur. I'm like on day, I don't know, 11 in a row of working. So I don't really remember much. Jeez, man. Yeah. It's all good. No complaints. Only six more days till my birthday. <laughs> what do I got to complain about? <laughs> Shit. I, I, Shit. I am doing what I love, so I got no complaints. There you go. I do not live in the murder capital of the world, which is a good thing. That applies to the movie that we are talking about. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah. Which is, by the way, The Lost Boys. And this is fitting because the world has lost Joel Schumacher. He passed away uh, two days ago at the ripe age of 80. I think he was going to be 81 maybe this year. And um, that's, that's really sad after a long bout with cancer. It's surprising, you know, there's certain directors that you grow up with. I mean, this movie came out in, in 87, so the year I was born. And he, just looking at his resume on IMDb, you know, you see things, and I didn't know he directed Falling Down, and I didn't know he directed Flatliners, and I've seen both those movies, and I love those movies. And, uh, I mean, the, th- the the property that I think that I've seen the most is Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and he had a huge impact on my life. I just didn't know him enough. Uh, I, I wasn't as familiar with him as I should have been, but yes, the uh, the world lost a very creative mind, and it is very sad. Yeah, we um, talked about this last night on the Geek Legacy podcast. He actually got started making, uh, he was in costume design, and um, he was able to create a lot of really unique outfits, and then eventually, you know, made his way, got his big break, and was able to become a director, and it's awesome. But the movie itself, I mean, you already went through his his resume. Uh, Falling Down is probably my favorite of his. Uh, I mean, sure, I always have a place in my heart for The Lost Boys, but uh, I think Falling Down objectively is one of my favorite ones. Um, it's one of those ones when I'm stuck in a car and it's hot and I'm irritated. <laughs> I'm just like, man, that Falling Down movie, they, uh, they were on to something there. <laughs> uh, it's kind of sad. Yeah, but... Uh, it's a, it's a good movie. I, I saw that with my sister in the theater and, um, we were both just like, holy shit. <laughs> we were watching it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a, he had a pretty interesting career, uh, Mr. Schumacher. Uh, I know you weren't a big fan of phone booth, but what's interesting about that movie though, is that it's pretty much just taking place in one location. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not a long movie. It's like 80 something minutes. It goes pretty quick. And, um, it's like an edge of your seat kind of thing. So it was definitely a new sort of take on how to make a movie. They tried a couple of movies that were similar in, in, in some capacities. Um, but uh, I think that one was pretty fun. It was like his Glengarry Glen Ross filmed in one there location. You there you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like it. <laughs> but like, like Nick of Time was one where time was a factor. Um, I think 15 Minutes was another one that was kind of interesting like that. Um, mm-hmm. But for the sake of just being in a phone booth. So a thing that doesn't even really exist on this planet anymore. I find that remarkable. A couple more years, people are going to be like, what's a phone booth? <laughs> I know. Uh, did you see 8mm? Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. Uh, that we was were talking an about intense that one movie. Too. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's so crazy because we were just talking about this last night on the Geek Legacy podcast. <laughs> no. David even dropped some fun quotes. From 8mm? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Edgy. <laughs> I saw that one time and I don't think I ever want to see that movie again. Much, much akin to how you feel about a lot of the movies that I'm like, oh, I love to rewatch this one. Eight millimeter is one that I do not need to revisit anytime soon. And I'm I am very intrigued how that one got such mainstream play from big studio backing. It seems very much like an A24 film at this point. So very weird. Um, I had some pretty, pretty good star power in it, though. In 1999. That's true. That's when that's when Nick Cage was in a thousand movies a year. Uh, Walking Phoenix is, you know, he had his, he's like getting his big break at this time. You know, James Gandolfini, he's, um, he's ready to rock and roll on the Sopranos train. Um, it's it's pretty big, pretty big cast. Had had uh, Peter Stormare, Russian space station. Yeah, he's in, <laughs> that guy's in everything. I know, gosh, <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> He's he talk about national treasure. That guy is just amazing. He is pretty great. I like him a lot. I don't think I knew that he was from Sweden. I thought he was from Russia. <laughs> exactly, dude. 
You could be from Russia too. <laughs> just, just say da. Da. No, in the movies anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty yeah. generic with their with their Russians in cinema, especially in the eighties. Just be a bad guy trying to take over a plane or something like that with Harrison yeah. Ford. There you go. Oh man, Alex was watching that the other day. I, like I don't that like movie. that movie at all, man. Why not? Air Force One. I don't know. It just bores the shit out of me. Can't stand it. Give me back my family. Yeah, get off my plane. <laughs> get off my plane. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it was funny, though, because um, when we were watching it, and she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I just I can't stand this movie. And uh, she's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even seen it since it came out. And that was a long time ago. And she's like, she's like, well, when was that? I'm like, I don't know, like July 25th, 1997. She's like, shut up. And I'm like, no, I think that's when it came out. <laughs> she looked <laughs> up and it was right. <laughs> you have a crazy funny. ability of doing that. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. It's it's absolutely insane to me. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, she she <laughs> I got like the ultimate eye roll on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. I, I am good at the dates. Good test taker. Not gonna lie. Yeah, there you go. So, as long as I read the material, if I don't read it, then you know it's just a guessing game. Then it's just abacadabra all the way down the scantron. <laughs> but <laughs> but what else? Uh, anyway, um, what movie are we doing again? Oh yeah, The Lost Boys, written by Jan Fisher, James Jeremias, uh, Jeffrey Bohm. Boom, <laughs> someone named Boom, Roads, Roads, Black Sheep. Oh, that's good stuff. Let's see. Yeah, cast members: Jason Patrick goes by the name Michael. You might have heard it ten thousand times <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> he also looks shit. like he's thirty-five in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they haven't quite mastered the art of hiring people that actually look like teenagers <laughs> sure you gotta be over 18 but i think uh i mean just for the sake of the hours that you put in it just makes more sense to hire you know a non-minor and like an adult but i think there's a problem with hiring an 18 year old and you gotta go straight to the 35 bracket <laughs> it's like <laughs> you could be a teenager this will be amazing i don't i never understood that i was just waiting for him to save sandra bullock and be like why are we on this boat? <laughs> yeah. Speed two. Cruise control. <laughs> Cruise control. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, you got a pair of Corys. You got Corey Haim there, and you got Corey Feldman. Fantastic. Kiefer Sutherland, Mr. DUI himself. Diane Wiest, uh, Bernard Hughes, Jamie Gertz, who's one of our favorites. We like her a lot. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, she is uh, She's from Twister, you know. Bill, I got you a lemonade. <laughs> yeah, she's the doctor. Uh, Jameson Newlander, Alex Winter, who is Bill S. Preston, Esquire. Esquire. And then you got the Edward Herman there. He's been in a lot of stuff, too. Richie Rich's dad. Yeah. <laughs> that is him. You're right. I still have to drive in. What was the date? What was the date? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. It's hard to remember drive-ins because you don't really get ticket stubs. So I don't really read anything. Uh, that's kind of how my mind works too i have to kind of read it to remember without a ticket stub i can't tell you <laughs> they just uh <laughs> wave you on through the booth there uh let's see here critical reception are you ready for this mm-hmm. so it's certified fresh on the old to make me today it's at a whopping 75 percent from the critics and 85 percent from us the viewers hmm. that's interesting because that's like a that's like a c solid c well, I wonder why well, it's not a lot higher the from the together? critics. Well, the I guess it'd together? be like a, a B minus, but I wonder yeah. why it's not that high on the critics' end. I'm, I could tell you in a second. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this? I'm on pins and needles. Desmond Ryan from the Philadelphia Inquirer says Schumacher fails fall. I'm sorry, Schumacher falls far short of the talent for pop wit that Joe Dante showed in Gremlins and The Howling. So right there is one of my biggest beasts. I hate when they compare filmmakers. It drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like, do like, it. Like to Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, just pisses me off. It's like if you're gonna, there's no reason to compare. Art is art. It is what it is. You either like it or you don't. 
I'll be like, yes, but this other guy that had gremlins and fucking Muppets running around did a much better job. Of course, he's entitled to his own opinion. It's just that is a dumb opinion to have. You cannot like the movie, but I would choose a different reason not to like it. But whatever. Uh, let's see here. Michael Wilmington from the Los Angeles Times. Local boy for me. There's always room for fancy trash. <laughs> And this movie about a gang of punk vampires terrorizing the new kids in town seems capable of providing some. Then the characters open their mouths. Wow. What a dick. (laughs) That is not right, Mr. Michael Wilmington. The Variety staff are favorites. The ones that don't (laughs) like Harold and Maude. They say a horrifically dreadful vampire teensploitation entry. I don't know about all that. What the hell this staff is? <laughs> Bunch of teenagers running around. <laughs> like, why are all these teenagers dying from getting stabbed with wood? I don't get it. What's happening? <laughs> They're on drugs. Um, and that's pretty much it. Oh, here we go. Emily Sears. She's she's got a good head on her shoulders. From Birth Movies Death. She says, The Lost Boys, a perfect conglomeration of scary and fun. There you go. I think if you're a, a, a preteen or a child watching this, it has some scary moments. As an adult, not so much. But as a child, I remember being scared a couple of times. Like the very idea of um, Thorn, the dog that was protecting the head bad guy. Um, you know, just being kind of a scary, mean dog. I didn't like that part. <laughs> yeah. And then just a bunch of motorcycle teens that are angry at the world. <laughs> I remember being just kind of freaked out. Like when they're in the house and it's all windy. It's always windy when they're around and <laughs> and the the blinds are fluttering and and the lights are going off and you hear motorcycle sounds and people screaming. I thought that was a little scary too. Just because when you're home alone you just hear strange noises, whether it be your house creaking or shit going on outside. Um, you f- tend to feel like you're safe in your own home, which which is always kind of nice when you're dealing with vampires. And we can get into that later. Right. That makeup, too, is it was was terrifying. I mean, uh, seeing Kiefer Sutherland and then his crew turn to vampires when they feast on those uh those party years listening to Aerosmith on the beach. That was a, I remember seeing that when I was younger and I was terrified by that. I did, right. did, did not like. So. Yeah. When he bites the one guy in his head, like on his yeah. skull. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, not a very meaty part, but whatever. No, it's like, he's never, it's like he's never eaten a human before. I mean, geez, man. Right. Gotta start Go at the, the butt. Gotta start at the butt. <laughs> it has the most meat. So. Uh, that's fatty though. It's good. It's good fat. It's good for you. It's got the amino acids there. Trans fats. <laughs> There you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, you have box office numbers? I think so. Opening weekend, five million dollars. This was on August second, nineteen eighty-seven, in the United States. It grossed a whopping thirty-two million, and that's about all we have as far as gross. Pretty successful, especially yeah. uh, for for the eighties. Yeah, I was. Uh, I don't know what its budget was. It doesn't have its budget, and I, I looked and I couldn't find it. The budget was ten dollars. <laughs> like a dollar. They just got extras. They, they literally just went to the the boardwalk and they're like, "Hey, you want to be on a movie?" Wait. I mean, pretty much. W- would you say no to being in a movie? Yeah, I I can and I have <laughs> and I did. <laughs> oh, I never say no. You want some good trivia? It's like sure. the best. It's like the best trivia you're ever going to hear. Uh, this movie was filmed in <laughs> this movie was filmed in only three weeks. Actually, if you can believe that, I can believe that. It's a pretty. It's not uh, like they traveled far. Sure. It's only they go to a cave. They're in the house and they're on the the beach. So it's almost like one location. Maybe this is his Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he already has a phone booth. This is his uh. phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe falling down is his <laughs> Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, so, so to save money, because we don't know the, what, what the budget was, Schumacher shot the aerial attack scenes um, in order to reduce the need for effects. So just like in Jaws. So what I mean by that is we never see the 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 Lost Boys attack anybody. It's uh, just that aerial overhead shot, you know, and it's it's actually more creepy. Uh, but that was to save a ton of money because they wanted to save the money for the um, the effects and like the climax of the movie when when Michael and David are fighting and everything like that. So. Pretty cool. 
I mean, that's what uh, Spielberg did with Jazz there. It's like, why is this cameraman killing all these people? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, executive producer Richard Donner originally intended to direct the movie himself, but as production languished, he moved on to Lethal Weapon, also an equally good film, and eventually with hired... saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're right. <laughs> and, the, and the Eric Clapton there on the music. But uh, eventually hired Joel Schumacher for the job. So um, fun fact about that. So Richard Donner actually wanted to make it a G rated movie with a bunch of eight year olds, eight year olds, dude. And um, yeah, he wanted it to be more of like a Peter Pan adventure uh, where Peter Pan is like a vampire and these eight year olds kind of join him on it. So that's where the title like the Lost Boys came from. And Schumacher just kind of stuck with it. But he came in and was like, ah, we ain't doing this with no eight year olds. We're doing this with. 35-year-old Jason Patrick instead. Yeah, he's like, I need mullets and trench coats and, <laughs> and, and comic books. Let's go. I need I need everything that the 80s encapsulates into this film. <laughs> Every single piece of 80s in this film, please. We Including all, let me re- sex scenes, sexy saxophone. Sexy saxophone, greased up sexy saxophone who is unexplained, unexplicably greasy and uh, yeah, he, too much. He <laughs> he's very shiny. He needs to he needs to lay off the greasy foods there. But um, all right. So the town of Santa Carla is a vibrant and bodacious beach town filled with parties, food, saxophones and plenty of unexplained murder. Moida, along with their mother, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> along with their mother, Lucy, brothers, Sam and Sam and Michael move into their grandpa's house in Santa Carla, hoping to start a new life. While exploring the boardwalk, Michael encounters a beautiful girl, Star, and introduces himself to get to know her. Before they can take a motorcycle date, Michael is surrounded by a group of teenage local hoodlums with a mysterious aura. David, the leader, challenges Michael to a race in which he easily wins. After an argument, David and the gang bring Michael back to their beach lair, and the group spend a wild night of drinking a weird red liquid from a bottle. Michael begins to experience different changes that he can't describe. Elsewhere, Sam meets the dynamic Frog Brothers while browsing a comic book store. The brothers tell Sam that vampires live in Santa Carla and give him a comic book to prepare on how to hunt them. Back at home, Michael begins to change as he tries to attack Sam. Sam concludes that Michael is, in fact, a vampire, and the two work out a plan to save Michael by killing the head vampire. Lucy begins dating her boss, Max, and is coincidentally not around to see Michael acting differently. Sam performs tests on Max at a family dinner to see if he is a vampire. But to his dismay, Max clearly is not. With the help of the Frog Brothers, Michael and Sam go to the beach lair during the day to rescue Star and her little companion, Laddie. The Frog Brothers kill one of the Lost Boys by stabbing him through the heart with a wooden stake. David wants revenge, and he cries a little bit too. The group then head back to their house to fortify it for a battle a la Home Alone style, booby traps of holy water and garlic everywhere. David and his gang attack the group, but are all killed off in battle. David is now dead, but Michael has not changed. Lucy and Max come home and discover that that there's carnage all around. As Max examines David's body, he he reveals that he is the head vampire and that he passed Sam's test because he was invited into their home, rendering the weaknesses useless. Max moves in for the bite on the family until suddenly Grandpa saves the day by driving his car through the wall, impaling Max with a fence post. Max dies, Michael, Starr, and Laddie all change back to humans, and the family rejoices in safety, sharing double fudge Oreos. Sleep all day, party all night, never grow old, never die. It's fun to be a vampire. That was a song. It was like, up all night, sleep all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, when was the, the first time you saw this? Um, Gosh. Sometime... Before I was in fifth grade, so it would have been like around 1989, 90. You see it on the VHS there or do you see it in theaters? I, I doubt it would still be in theaters, but yeah. Yeah, no, it was a VHS copy. What'd you, uh, what'd you think? You, you were pretty scared, you said, at a couple parts, right? Like with Thorn and such? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wasn't like terrified or anything, but I remember thinking, wow, that would, that, that would suck. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Vampires are bad, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I I was never terrified in the sense like uh, like a Freddy Krueger or uh, Michael Myers sense or aliens or anything like that. It was it was more of um, uh, you know jump scare as opposed to just being downright afraid to go to sleep. Schumacher did some interesting work, yeah, with like jump scares and and just his uh, 
how he used the camera as a basically a character in this to kind of yeah create that sense of fear and stuff and um i thought it was really interesting you're right though it's uh it definitely was 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 creepy at times yeah it was more of like a like a uh like a fearful tone than mm-hmm. real scary moments per se like yeah. when like a lot of build up you know like when when sam is in the bathtub and his brother's starting to change and then, you know, Nanook is aware that something weird is happening. Uh, you know, you're not you can't imagine that 40 minutes in this movie is going to kill his brother, but you're definitely concerned. <laughs> right. You know, and then when the group, when the gang of, of when the Lost Boys were together, you never knew if they were going to terrorize somebody or, uh, or kill someone or whatever the case may be. Like you, there was always this uh, feeling of uncertainty, which adds to the the fear factor, I suppose. Well, and even the score too played into that a lot. Like, you know, the, the theme song from it, the intro song kind of played throughout the film that was just eerily creepy. Anything where children are singing in like some sort of horror film, it, it always terrifies me just because it gives me this uh, this uneasiness. And uh, so they, they do that one quite a bit in it. Are you familiar with um, Oingo Boingo song Insanity? Mm, I probably heard it, but no. It's really, it check it out. It's like, it's like a seven minute song, but it has... Uh, children singing and it's really cool no. check it out that's <laughs> a right. good song you should go listen to it <laughs> i will do it because i'm a good friend and i do things when my friends say hey you should do this oh, i don't <laughs> I, sh- I shut down i shut that mother down like immediately it is not happening i will not do it this will not stand man it's, it's aggression <laughs> so i i don't remember how old i was when i saw it but I, i'm pretty sure i was uh, like, gosh, maybe 13 or something like that, maybe 12. And yeah, I, I was just terrified by the the vampire makeup. I did not like that. And then I when I was about 19 or 20, I rewatched it because I was dating a, a gal at the time and she really liked it. And we just kept making fun of the saxophone player. But right. I, I dug it. And, uh, you know, this like I said, this came out the year I was born. So this is like one of my films. But you know, what's interesting, too, is that this movie was on TV a lot. So um, growing up, I was exposed to the TV version of it pretty often. I, I know that we had rented it when I was a kid, but ultimately the rewatches were TV edits. And not that there's a whole lot that needs to be taken out of this movie, but I do think that because it was so uh, easily watchable, that kind of, you know, helped like cement that this be like a pretty awesome vampire movie for teens because it was just always available i swear it was on like every fucking weekend (laughs) (laughs) it's like the shawshank redemption on tnt you could always turn on (laughs) tnt and shawshank redemption will be on and i'm like damn it i love that movie so much i couldn't watch that on tv though it's too long it's i'd have to just stream it well that's why you it's you you just watch it at whatever point it's on because no matter what you're never gonna watch it when it starts it like (laughs) it'll be halfway through the movie when it right but as soon as there's a commercial break i just check out i'm like "Eh, oh true so it's funny because this reminded me of like vampire point break pretty much you know you have you have michael who is your johnny utah trying to acclimate himself with the tough group of secretive bad boys and one, and both of them have blonde mullets and um, yeah, over a girl and whatnot. <laughs> so off for a child. seriously, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> give me two Utah. Give me two. Utah. Give me two. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it's funny though. I just, I, I saw a lot of comparisons between that and it's interesting. Uh, Santa Carla, it just looked like this moat, this diverse city filled with people of all races and sizes and what have you, and it just looks so fun. Why would you not want to go to Santa Carla? Everyone is having a blast there. Um, because it's the murder capital of the world. Doesn't matter. Oh, you know something that's kind of interesting. Um, in the beginning, when they're riding through town, they're just moving in, and they get out to just kind of stretch their legs. And the mother Lucy sees two kids in a dumpster, and she says, "Sam, here, take this, and make sure that those kids get something to eat." Mm-hmm. That had that had a profound impact on me when I was a kid because it made me think that like literally no kid should ever starve. And so anytime I ever saw somebody that was just uh, begging for money or 
or change or food, I would always feed them. And I would think of this movie. <laughs> it sounds weird, but I was just like, yeah, everyone needs to eat. So, I mean, I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, like everyone's got to eat. Like when it comes to even like to stealing, it's like we, we literally have to eat. So um, whether it's right or wrong, when I saw someone that was starving, that was in my store trying to steal um, food, that's a big difference to me than stealing liquor or, you know, uh, like a video game or something like that. So I just yeah. I always, I always think of that movie in that moment. I know it's weird. It's so bizarre, but that's just, it's, uh, it's something I always go it's, back to. It's okay, man. I'll let you go with that sandwich and the bag of Oreos because of the Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sandwich, yes. Oreos, probably not so much. <laughs> uh so the lead singer he looked like triple h that's what i immediately thought of when i saw him but he was actually the uh saxophonist for is that the right term saxophonist for tina turner he was simply the best but who is this person you're talking about uh the lead singer for the band i still believe oh that band okay yeah um because there's a there's also a lost boys song there is how does yeah, it go? Where it's like, is it like Lost Boys like, is a no. good movie? <laughs> no, it was something like uh, it's like called Lost in the Shadows. I think is what it is. it's like when they're riding mm. their bikes. Um, and he, it's like uh, say hello to the night, Lost oh. in the Shadows. It's no Highlander theme song, but no, yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but that's that's Queen. I know. Uh, Luke Graham, Lost in the Shadows is the name of that song. Ah. Yeah. Big big, big Luke Graham fan. Huge. Biggest Luke Graham fan. I got a cardboard cutout of Keith <laughs> Sutherland, and it fucking rocks out to that. That damn. <laughs> the, the, the current trend of, uh, you know, remakes and stuff like that are, are pretty dominant in Hollywood, I, I would say. Well, maybe not right now, but they, uh, they're they definitely taking uh, old IPs and remaking them. Is this one that you would be okay with them remaking, or do you think it needs to be left alone? I'm always okay with um, horror movies being remade. Mm, is this a horror movie? You consider this a horror movie? I don't know. People die. It's you the one that I gotta convince it's a horror movie. It's yeah. vampires, it's murder, <laughs> kidnapping. Murder gruesome deaths so yeah i would say it's a horror movie okay would you watch a remake uh yeah probably i would give it a, a shot i i i just tend to think that horror movies make the best remakes because um just for the sake of the times like so much has changed like a lot of this movie would change just by having a fucking cell phone you know, so yeah, um, it's just the way the world works, and the the power of the internet, right? Um, hacks and like learning things, and uh, you know, getting your skinny on on what a vampire is um, from from the Google machine versus a comic book. I don't know. I think it'd be cool too if you uh, gender swapped, and because uh, actually Schumacher, fun fact, he wanted to make a sequel to this. And he wanted it to be about teenage girls and he wanted to call it the Lost Girls. And I thought that that was a cool idea. But if you remade this, why not just make Michael like Michelle and Sam? Well, Sam could be Sam, but uh, make it different. And I, I think that that would be that'd be really interesting. Uh, and, and you're right with like the technology advancements. You could add a whole bunch of higher stakes to it where it's it's a lot scarier and, and maybe heavier. And especially with higher budgets now that are with films, you could make them. Um, you pay homage to it and you could still make it pretty, pretty terrifying. Right. I do think um, just for the sake of uh, it's hard for a teenager today to watch teens of the eighties and look at their clothes and the way they, they talk um, and take it seriously. So just for the sake of relatability um, and enjoying horror films, I think, the closer you are to the age of the people that is that are in the movie uh, and the the pop culture that surrounds it makes it a little bit easier to identify. So I think that's why I think that the campiness shifts over the years and through the decades to where um, when like Friday the 13th came out, it, you know, it had still been in like a five year window of when I was or five to ten year window, you know, of of 
when they were coming out, I was growing up and I was able to continue watching them. So the people that were in the movies were people that I would see, you know, when I went to the store, you know what I mean? Versus some weird time warp where the cars don't make sense. The clothes don't make sense. The dialogue is weird. You know, it's I, I feel like horror movies can really benefit from remakes, whereas comedy a lot of times can be timeless. I agree. And and, and you were touching on all of that stuff during the Evil Dead podcast. And you, you brought up a lot of good points, uh, pretty much everything you're saying now. So I agree. I think that, yeah, um, I, I'd watch a remake. I, I don't necessarily think we need one, but you're right. This this could be remade and it could be updated to, uh, to maybe like a scarier theme or time. Right. And I do think, especially with vampire movies, um, practical effects are always way more fun than totally than CGI. They can make the vampires glitter in the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> Carlisle. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. So this movie is uh, right up your alley. It screams 80s aesthetic. Uh, how do you think that that enhanced the film? And what I mean is like throughout this entire movie, I don't think you can go 30 seconds without seeing something that is just like over the top 80s from Sam's ridiculous trench coat that he's wearing when he walks into the into the comic shop to uh, <laughs> to, to David's to David's iconic mullet. I mean, everything about this is like hardcore 80s. And um, how do you think that that enhanced the film? Uh, well, for me, well, for you for and, and just for the for the viewer in general. Sure. So um, I. So I was born in 1980, so I didn't really get to be, I wasn't a teenager in the 80s, so I never had the mullet, which is awesome. I'm grateful for that. And, um, but the, the people that are in it are folks that if I saw like a teenager, it would totally be relatable. You know, like my sister's friends look like these, these assholes. So, um, for me, it was, it was very relatable. <laughs> did you try to you know. drive it, drive a stake through their heart or what? No, I did not know. <laughs> but, uh, what, one of the things that I did like is I like how Sammy was younger and his friends, you know, were, were very much young. They were like the, the 14, 15 year old range. And when you're a 10 year old or a 12 year old and you're wanting to, to play with the bigger kids, it makes perfect sense. Like, oh my God, I'm a kid and I can save my city from these blood sucking vampires and that there's a cool element to that when, when you can be involved and you can relate to it. And which I know you're a big Batman fan. And when I was a kid, I was like Robin because he was able to come along on the adventures and help save the day. And to me, I could be Robin and I really like that. And so in, in the same vein, I do think it's cool to be a kid and save the day. I think that's why movies like, you know, the Goonies and Monster Squad did so well. It's it's because and even, you know, nowadays with Stranger Things and it um, the remake of it, because you have these kids and and we can relate to that. We were all kids, you know, at a certain point. Um, I was a former child. And (laughs) when I'd hang out with my friends, we'd go on adventures. But when you have something like this, when you're in dire straits and, and you have to act, I think I think it's super cool to think about. I mean, it'd be terrifying, but sure make a hell of a story right and they're and kids can be incredibly resourceful and we see that with their squirt guns filled with holy water um you know they're riding their bikes they got their sweet bandanas and um you know when we had a little bike gang when we were kids and it was awesome and i remember going to the creepy house on in the on the block and and it was so weird because it was a, it was a much smaller house than the rest of the houses in the neighborhood and it, it was kind of derelict but there's definitely people living in there and mm-hmm. They had these stacks and stacks of newspaper because uh, when you went to recycle newspaper, you needed 82,000 tons to get five bucks. So, you know, they would uh, hoard a lot of newspaper. And I remember just sneaking around their house like, oh, man, what are these people up to? And then I would always hear like this pipe organ, which is really weird. I mean, it's not a pipe organ. It just sounded like one. It's a regular organ, like one that you would have got it like the fucking Sears Wish Book catalog or whatever. But it it just sounded like a creepy phantom of the opera oregon and <laughs> i remember being by the window and this person walked by they didn't see me but it scared the shit out of me because i was right by the window and i just took off running as fast as i could i hopped on my bike and i didn't look back and i i just remember thinking holy shit man what are these people are chasing me and i just got so <laughs> scared and uh it was just uh, incredible a lot of fun and i mean that's 
it's silly and and there's a perfectly logical explanation for this entire family in this house but as a kid i just remember being totally freaked out it was awesome and everybody had those houses where you know the kids would have a story and they'd be like old man ruthers lives there marley (laughs) yeah he murdered his he murdered his family and he shovels the snow on their bodies or something like that so yeah Oh man, one time we found, so we went to, there was these giant trees out in the middle of nowhere and we went and uh, we wanted to check it out. So we ran our dirt bikes out, or not dirt bikes, our regular bikes through the dirt rather, our BMXs. And we get there and there's this, uh, it's like an old teenager hangout kind of place and there was this blanket and we found needles and we found porno magazines and we, <laughs> we, took, all, we took all the magazines, this is so funny, we took all the magazines, we were riding on our bikes and then as we were going down the, the neighborhood. Any car that had an open window, we were throwing the dirty magazines <laughs> into the car. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so stupid. That's awesome. People had to come up with some pretty fun stories as to why they had dirty mags in the car. Whole family jumps in. The wife is like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's like, butts. Big ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't have vampires, just dirty mags. There you no go. No big deal. I think... So I think Joel Schumacher, because uh, he was an openly gay director. I don't know if he was out in the 80s, but um, he was openly gay and and it reflected on a lot of his films that were just big, bold and flamboyant. And uh, a lot of he got a lot of criticism for the Batman Forever and Batman Robin Batman and Robin movies because there was a lot of homoeroticism. Uh, But he had like a really good explanation for that. Yeah, there's like the bat nipples and all that stuff. And and the, the what is it? The cod pieces, another cod, piece, the crotch pieces, I should say. But uh, there's a whole bunch of, of that in it. And then just with the neon lights, that's definitely a, a trademark of his. Uh, if you notice at I think it's Max's house, he has this weird neon like lightning bolt sign in, in the back of his house. And I'm like, who has that? What person has that in, in their house? And same thing in, in Flatliners. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character has this really weird apartment with neon lights. And um, it's it's so cool. But I think that Schumacher is really good at at drawing that out and, and making it a, a part of, of the movie that sticks with you. And it just fits into this time. You could see this movie 30 years from now. And if you knew what the 1980s were, you could be like, boom, yeah, this was definitely filmed in at some point in the 80s. And I think that that really fit his style. So that was a fun trademark during this. So a fun thing before we before we recorded, you called me and you said real quick, um, how many times do you think they say the name Michael or an iteration of Michael like Mikey in this film? Now, I was trying to count and I'll admit I lost count. So I had to look it up. I said 32 and you said 54. Do you want to know what the final count was according to a website I found? Sure. Is it like 280 something? It's 118, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think that they're counting the times that they would go Michael, Michael, Michael. I think they counted that as one. And wow. uh, you got to count each asshole saying it. <laughs> it's so many times. It'd be like, Michael, what are you doing, Michael? Why why are you feeling that way, Michael? Like they'd say it three times in one sentence, and it didn't make any sense to me. But why do you think that they were doing this? Why they emphasize so much on Michael? Well, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I I find it remarkable, though. It's pretty remarkable. <laughs> and I, I just I was I was dying laughing just watching it because and luckily I've seen this enough to know it. But God, I just kept thinking of you and how stupid how stupid of a question that was. But it was also so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, because yeah. I never call anybody by their name. You know, I call I you by your name on this show when we're doing an introduction. Yeah. But I, I never say anyone's name. And one thing that always bothered me about the show Dexter was that in the first four seasons, um, his girlfriend and, and then wife always says Dexter. And I'm like, what asshole says the name of their partner to that many times? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, insane. Dexter. <laughs> it always blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, no one talks like that. No one. Come up with a different a pet name. They just want to remind you that you're watching Dexter. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> name's on the fucking marquee, man. <laughs> uh I, I think I think it did serve a certain purpose, though. So when David Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland, when he's being real creepy to Michael at the beginning, he keeps using it and 
the, just the way that Kiefer Sutherland was a creep back in the day and how he delivers it. It is, it is kind of odd. And it, it, it does kind of add to that, that feel when he's like, what do you think, Michael, you know, how, how are the maggots, Michael? And, um, it's, uh, it, it's very interesting. I, um, I definitely was creeped out by him. Mm-hmm. So I think that could possibly be it, or it could just be a completely like missed thing that they had in there. And they're like, Oh shit. Oops. <laughs> Bad screenplay, but whatever. I'm not, a, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a screenwriter, so I don't get it. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I had I had an explanation, but it won't make sense. So I, I just I am going to choose not to discuss it further. <laughs> there we go. Why do you think that uh, Schumacher was the best director for this film? I don't know the answer to that. I know that I enjoyed it and I liked it a lot. And I don't know who else could have done it. But at the time, little seven year old Justin uh, wasn't particularly interested in who was directing movies. So I liked it long before I knew that Joel Schumacher was a person and how movies worked. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, no, I don't no, 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 no. That's no, that's good. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, any other 80s directors who could have done it and how their spins would have been. I, I immediately just thought of David Cronenberg and I'm like, oh, it would have been so gory and so like alien life formed like the vampires would have just been disgusting but it would have been awesome sure i mean it could have been like 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 Wes craven or something that could have been interesting that'd have been really good yeah they could have made the vampires have like a knife glove and like catch catch you in your dreams for some reason right it's a pretty good idea for a movie yeah or it could have been more actiony it could have been like a like a tony scott that could have been crazy too tony scott's good or like a michael bay one just explosions everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Why do all these vampires each have their own helicopter? <laughs> Why do they keep crashing them too all of a sudden? <laughs> I um I I just think he knew how to merge Joel Schumacher. I think he knew how to merge comedy with seriousness. And this movie could have been completely serious and really drab, but he added some ridiculous stuff. Like when Sam finds out, he's like you know, my own brother, a blood sucking vampire. Wait till mom hears about this. Like <laughs> that's right. not what you would expect somebody to say for that. And he just adds just, you know, a dash of absurdity. And I really think that he had a fun time directing this film. I don't want to speak for him, but it, it seemed like he had a fun time directing this film. He did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this like a black comedy. I would call it like a light gray comedy. Uh, it was just a blend between that. And he, he did it. He did it very well. So, okay. So hear me out. So there, there are certain directors like Sam Raimi, Joe Dante and uh, well Joel, Joel Schumacher, and I look at movies like uh, Sam Raimi would have been a good candidate for this movie too. Exactly, and Joe uh, he Dante. did Dark Man around this time too. I think that was like eighty nine, maybe. But yeah, but yeah, Sam Raimi would have been a good one. Joe Dante did Gremlins, and Gremlins was like it was a scary movie, but there was enough comedy in it to be like, why am I laughing at this? Like you laugh whenever you're scared. So it wouldn't really matter, but like it's, uh, it's got some creepy parts and, and Joe Dante did, you know, the burbs, which is like a comedy, but it's also love kind of movie. really creepy. I love that movie too. Did you ever see the Dan Aykroyd movie? Um, oh, no, nothing man. but trouble. I hate it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So in, interesting. Cause it has John Candy and I love John Candy. I know but that movie is awful. It is pretty and weird. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah, it has a lot of and two box in it, but and, yeah. and I knew I knew <laughs> I don't even know how I knew, but I knew that you were going to say nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that movie had a profound impact on me when I was a kid because I saw it on like Cinemax and I didn't know what it was and I did not like it. Like when they're eating the sausages and everything like that and the judge kept pulling his nose off Dan Aykroyd, I, I hated it. But that was kind of like a, a light gray comedy. It was weird. It was like creepy, but it was funny. And I don't know. I don't I don't I don't like it too much. But yeah, I, I think that that you're right. Sam Raimi, Joe Dante could have been really good directors for this. But I just think that Schumacher, this was his his uh, his slice of the pie. He did. He did a really good thing. He's the bee's knees, as the kids say. But, but you know, back to Gremlins, mm-hmm. that's that movie is like terrifying. Uh, totally. Yeah, it's just like little puppets and Muppets and shit. But when the mom is is walking through the house and getting terrorized by these things and it's playing the music, the like, do you see what I see? I can't hear that song without thinking of fucking gremlins. And she's throwing them in the microwave, throwing them in the blender. She's got this crazy fucking Halloween knife. She's just she's ready to kick some ass. And 
and it's it's intense. And then yeah. in the middle of all this crazy, you got uh, Phoebe Gates all talking about how her dad fucking fell down a chimney and broke his neck. And God, that was that was dark. <laughs> so yeah. dark. She's like, dude, you know why I don't like Christmas? I'll tell you why I don't like Christmas. While you guys are opening up your fucking presents, my dad died and it sucked. And you're like, dang, way to bring it down. I know. (laughs) Shit, Debbie Downer. My God. (laughs) So that movie's hardcore. But um, I don't know. That movie, uh, it trips me out. And how uh, everyone's always alone in those movies when they're, when they're, it's them. It's like a, like a me against a gremlin moment. in a lot of those scenes, uh, like when the, the the science teacher, he's all by himself when he's getting attacked. Um, you know, Billy's always tends to be by himself a lot until he hooks up with, with his nice girlfriend. Um, so it's just always really, really, really creepy and you don't know what to expect. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, those, those moments you're always just like, shit, what would I do? In a time like this? I just <laughs> fucking run out the door. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look, I, I don't, I don't have this, this curiosity. I don't, I don't need the answer. So. Part of me thinks I would live a pretty long time in a horror movie. I don't investigate noises. I don't do any of that shit. I just, I just go. You're like Chris in Get Out when he's like, "We just, we gotta go." <laughs> like yeah. he grabs, he grabs his girlfriend. And he's like, "We gotta get out of here." And I'm like, "Yes, finally, someone gets it. <laughs> like, just get the hell out." But yeah, did uh, so Nanook or Nanook the dog, uh, very badass dog, very beautiful dog. Uh, do you think Rizzo could protect you like that, though? Oh, if yeah. I was, if I was a vampire there and I was like trying to Turn eat your goddamn you, face off. Yeah. You think so? I'm I'm good, man. She um she's really good and attentive to strange things. In fact, just last night I was in the middle of peeing and she let out this ridiculous howl like there was something invading our house. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So <laughs> I, I I gotta stop what I'm doing, pinching it, and um <laughs> And I, I pull up my pants really fast and um, I run to the kitchen and she's just staring at the doggy door like something tried to come in. So I thought maybe like a person was trying to sneak in through our doggy door. Oh my gosh. And so I just grabbed the the wooden stick that, that blocks the slider, you know, and uh, I grab a flashlight and I'm like, is there anyone there? And then I heard Alex come storming like upstairs, downstairs to come to see what was happening because it was in a really aggressive howl and bark. And mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing there, so she must have just had like a bad dream or something. But she is definitely aware when something's like off. And when we first got her, like in the first month, we were just laying on the bed. It was nighttime, like two in the morning, and she's doing this crazy snarl and growl, like someone was in the room with us. Weird. And I was, I was literally just reading the book on on uh, the Golden State Killer that um, uh, Pat Oswalt's wife wrote. Oh yeah, and um, McNamara, right? Yeah, and Mich- um, is it Michelle McNamara? Michelle McNamara, yeah, yeah. They're doing so an I'm HBO like, special on that, by the way. I'm like, oh my god, it's a motherfucker now. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and she was—I mean, she was a brand new dog. Dog. We literally had her for a month, and she was ready to die on our bed, and like she was ready to to protect us. And she woke us up, and it was just a shadow that was on the wall, but um, it was a scary growl. To where anybody that was in the house would have left, vampire or not. Maybe it was Kiefer Sutherland. Maybe he was outside. Yeah. He's like, dude, you got any shears? I got to sh- fucking shave my mullet. <laughs> I would do that mullet. I, mean, I think it'd be cool to wear for like a day. And then I would I would, I would promptly shave it. Mm, I don't do the mullets. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's all I really have on The Lost Boys. Do you have anything else to add to it? You have much like pirates. Why do people? Why, I why do sk- I think people are obsessed with with vampires? Eh, I was gonna skip that. I mean, you can we can we can do that if you want, but I was just gonna skip that. I I don't know. I don't really think that that was. I think vampires gr- are cool, man. I think that there's a mystery to them. Uh, in movies and in books, their perception of the world tends to be different. They they see things differently. The world moves differently. Um, heightened sensibility. I think there's all these. Like superhero aspects, like certain things that we like that we wish we had. Um, I think that there's a, a certain amount of intrigue that comes with vampires. Uh, obviously, with the, the the Twilight craze, things shifted a bit, but you know that I, I chalk that up to to teen angst and 
young adult novels and just people being misguided on what a cool vampire is. <laughs> but um, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was watching Interview with the Vampire and the Lost Boys. When these people are teenagers, they're watching you know, Twilight movies. There's a big difference between those two. But right. I think what's what's interesting about Interview with the Vampire is that um, they the nice vampires look at themselves as, you know, just this nice species and, you know, they can love whoever they want. You know, they're very um, androgynous and, you know, whether Lestat loves, um, you know, Louis or Armand or um, some nice lady, it doesn't matter. Like they're just all there to coexist together, which I thought was interesting. Right. I think it's funny because like when we did what we do in the shadows, they definitely had a lot of the tropes from this movie and from other movies in in Twilight. And, you know, when he's like, oh, yeah, I can't remember his name, but he's like, he's the bad boy. You know, he's he's the one that everyone looks at because he's the youngest. Right. (laughs) Right. He's only 500 years old or whatever. But right. 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 I thought I thought that 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 hit it on the nose pretty well of the obsession with vampires. And I mean, for a while there, there, it it just was, and you had your different levels of it too. And that's why I think the the original question, you know, I was like asking much like pirates when we talked about on Pirates of the Caribbean, why do you think people are so obsessed with vampires? And yeah, that, that makes sense. What your stance is on it. And and I think too, what's important is that, um, especially with the older vampires, you know, they've lost so much, not just their life, but uh, loved ones, uh, maybe even, their soul to a degree, you know, they are now committing uh, atrocities and they're in a lot of pain. Right. And I think when you're a teenager, the world, you know, starts and stops with school and, and love, right. You're like, Oh my God, my heart is pounding right now. If I could write poetry, I would, but I can't. So I won't. I'll just watch vampire <laughs> movies instead, right? So <laughs> I, I think relating to that that loss and that pain, there's there's something there that you can identify with. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I a sense maker. Yeah, you're a poet. Plus, I mean, you, plus when you you're watching, know it. yeah, I wrote a. We did a haiku on Pixelated podcast the other day. I know it was good. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. It was good. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah, I uh, I uh, I got away with the words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think at least for me that was the most relatable thing was the the loss and pain that it was to be a vampire. I think that there's a a a, a romance to that that is very relatable. Not in the sense of oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just say I think Interview with a Vampire touches on that quite a bit like when they ch- turn Kirsten Dunst you know and she's like she never wanted that and then they make her a companion and then they both die and such and it's uh, yeah that that kind of talks about that whole feeling of losing your loved ones and whatnot right and I That's mean movie. there's a lot of, lot of lot of like selfish moments too right like when he's making her a vampire he just doesn't want to be alone anymore sad I agree but uh, yeah, what's your letter grade for this movie? For Lost Boy? <laughs> yeah. Oh for... man, uh, I, I would say if because of the nostalgia and my love for it, I would give it an A. If I'm looking at it objectively and as a film, it'd probably be more like a B minus. <laughs> but because I love it so much, I'm giving it an A. Fuck it. I think I think I'm like yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's got to be a B minus for me, but yes, there's it's a guilty pleasure film. It's not an amazing film by any stretch, but it's just a guilty pleasure. And I really like a lot of it and I like to talk about it. And I just love the style, all the styles. Like if I saw somebody cosplay as David, I would know who they are in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> that would be so or if cool. They were Edgar Allen, Edgar or Allen Frog, which might be Bro, like Edgar Allen Poe. I don't know. It um, is, the, yeah. The um, we didn't talk about the rules either. The vampire rules and guidelines. Yeah, uh, we can talk about that if you want. But staking them seems to be a way to kill them. I know that decapitations also tend to be a way to kill a vampire uh, in a lot of movies. Um, I love my favorite rule ever is that they have to be invited into your home. I think that's so cool because there's like this this sort of sanctity that exists 
in your own little private layer <laughs> and they are not allowed to penetrate it unless you are, you know, you welcome them in. And I think that that is, I think that's a fun rule. I, I thought it was interesting when I, one of the, the vampire the lost boys, he was like, garlic doesn't work. So that trope was interesting because this was almost a paint by numbers vampire movie, but that one didn't work. So I was just kind of is curious on the liberties that they took with it. Right. Yeah, that's a fun one. And then like silver can sometimes be uh, a thing. I thought that was for werewolves. I know that's the fun thing about it, right? Is that silver bullet can kill a werewolf, but um, silver in general um, can be a problem and uh, for vampires. Haven't you seen blade for crying out loud? I love Blade. I don't think you do, because then you would know that he uses silver to kill a bunch of motherfuckers. He also uses a, a sword. I guess it is silver. <laughs> Some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my favorite line in that when he kills Blade the, is the so deacon or whatever. Good. I, I, I like it a lot. Blade. Do you know that this is the uh, second vampire movie we've done and the third Joel Schumacher movie we've done on the podcast? Isn't that? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I we think... should just change this to the Joel Schumacher Don't Be Crazy podcast. <laughs> Next up, phone booth. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but to be fair, the reason we had already done the two was because we were talking about the, um, the, the, the Batman movies, the Tim Burton and Schumacher Batman movies. So they kind of got lumped together. And then the man passed away. And that is why we decided to do The Lost Boys. Yeah, very. I'm not upset with the choice. I love this movie. I actually realized that I only owned it on the on the digital video disc there, and I was not a fan of the quality, so I bought it. Isn't that remarkable? H- yeah, I bought it it's on terrible. HD movie codes. HD movie codes. I think I got the four. No, not the 4K. I think I just got HD for pretty cheap. So, uh, but yeah, the quality was was really bad for my DVD, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I feel like it got downscaled or something like that. Right. I don't know. It's like, what is all this suck? <laughs> <laughs> Everything yeah, we, you're doing right now sucks. You got a birthday coming up. I do. Six days. <laughs> had, some, had some cake. Pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, um, we, for the next episode, that'll be around the time of, of your birthday. So we need to decide what you want to do for your birthday. Because last year we did Iron Eagle, and that was an unreleased bonus episode. Oh, yeah. But uh, could, we need to do, do that. Well, we can release that, but we can also record a very fun and festive episode. And I was thinking over the top or whatever you want, Mr. B-Day boy. Okay, I'll put some thought into it. Hell yeah. I'll watch anything. Over the top would have been a good Father's Day one. So we'll do that one Father's Day 2021. It's like, it's like a truck. It's like a truck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> I don't know if I can get through that movie again. <laughs> I like so, it when it cuts from one montage to another. That's always it's nice. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Are you nuts? That movie is incredible. Uh, I don't it know. Your life. It is the. It is one of the best arm wrestling movies I've ever seen. So. We have not done an Alfred Hitchcock movie. That would be fun. I would love to do a Hitchcock. Rear Window or um, The Birds. The Birds. Or uh, what else? Uh I mean, I don't want to do Psycho, really, honestly. But uh, yeah, something like that would be really great. Why, Vertigo. I mean, that's fine. But why don't you want to do Psycho? Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's his most famous one. And I feel like we should dig a little more into other ones. Like Strangers on a Train. I don't know if you've seen that. That one's really creepy. But I've been a stranger on a train. Been, I've been a snake on a plane before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam Jackson yelling at you all the time. Yeah. Monkey fighting snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey fighting snakes. <laughs> On this Monday through Friday plane. <laughs> On this mocha frappuccino plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. Is it monkey fighting or monkey biting? I don't know. What Do snakes bite monkeys? I don't know. I'm not a snakeologist. That's not I'm even not a real either. term. <laughs> I saw a seagull eat a rat on the Twitter today. That was crazy. I saw an anaconda eat John Voight in the movie Anaconda. <laughs> and then spit him up. Is Snakes Up There as big? I like that movie. Me too. J-Lo. Her love don't yeah. cost a thing. It does not. I saw, Oh, man. 
fucking love that movie. I forgot how crazy that movie. And Owen Wilson's in it? Yeah, he is. The tagline was, if you can't scream, you can't breathe. Oh. Or no, it's the other way around. If you can't breathe, you can't scream. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. That is creepy. I remember I saw, I, th- I feel like there was a Super Bowl ad for that movie. And uh, like for the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I went and checked it out. Oh, man. <laughs> saw that in the theater, too. I saw that in Palm Springs, of all places. Palm Springs. Oh, my God. Dang. All right. I want you to take us home. Sure, I can do that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I know I rambled quite a bit this time, and I apologize. The 80s does that to me. Back in back in 82, if Coach would have put me in, we would have won state. I ain't <laughs> doubt in my mind. Uh, remember to... Uh, are we on the Facebook? We're not. Uh, follow us on the Twitter there at uh, Don't Be Be Crazy Pod. <laughs> I'm on so many podcasts. At BB Crazy Pod, and you can follow at ZachDale60 at Edgy Armo, and then we got the other podcasts on our little Geek Legacy Network, which is really fun. You got the Geek Legacy Podcast, and you even have the Pixelated Podcast, where you can hear haikus and video game news and reviews. It's amazing. That rhymes unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I am the unknown poet of 2020, and it's amazing. Loving every second of it. Uh, remember, um, you can always suggest a motion picture show. We're happy to take it into consideration. Um, I have now passed on movie choosing duties to Mr. Zach Darnell Food Court, and um, I recuse myself <laughs> so I don't ever have to pick a movie ever again. So if you don't like the movie we pick, yell at him, alright? Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye! See ya!